0: You are magnificent. You are truly magnificent. I think some people have some trouble accepting those words. They're hard for you to hear, they're hard for you to believe. You think about all the parts of you that don't fit that description. And in some of you it's natural for your suspicions to rise up. What does he want? Why is he saying that to me? You are magnificent. Some of you have trouble hearing those words. But would you have any trouble hearing these words? God is magnificent. God is magnificent. You say, oh no, I have no trouble with that. I mean, whether you've encountered the person of God, when you do, you know immediately that he's magnificent. But even the notion of God is magnificent. So if you struggle with the words... You are magnificent. But don't struggle with the words that God is magnificent. And I have unbelievably good news for you today. Because your magnificence is not rooted in you, but in God. So that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, "...and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory..." are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That our whole purpose in life is to reflect the glory of the Lord. We who with unveiled faces, we'll get to that, reflect the Lord's glory, reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So the glory comes from the Lord. So our magnificence is not even rooted in ourselves, but in the magnificence of God. This truth is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to be looking with you at verses 7 through 18 today, which we'll put up on the screen for you to read. Before we just jump into it, we should think a little bit about what 1st and 2nd Corinthians really is. and its uh, I think at its core, it's, it's Paul's call to the Corinthian people to live their lives at a level higher than what they were living. There were some problems in Corinth. There were some problems the way people were treating with each other, the way people were so self-centered... So that it was even bringing confusion into worship. That people thought that the worship was about them. And so Paul was calling them to a higher level of living. This is also my agenda, by the way. Is to call us to a higher level. To help you live above the lie. So as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3... Verse 7 through 18, where what we're going to see is Paul is making a comparison between the Old Covenant, which is the Old Testament, and the law, and the New Covenant, which is the New Testament, and the grace of God expressed to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And he's saying there's glory in each. There was glory in the law, but there's also a glory in the grace and he's comparing the relative levels of glory, if you will, in each. And so he says in verse 7, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, well what could that be? That could be the Ten Commandments and the 613 Levitical laws that stemmed from, evolved from the Ten Commandments. Well if they came with glory... So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory. So when Moses came down off the mountain with the tablets, he was radiant. He was reflecting the glory of God. And they couldn't look at him. So he says, well, if that happened with the ministry that brought death, meaning the law, because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So he's saying if, if the law had a glory, if the law had a glory, which was evident because Moses was reflecting the glory of God after having been on the mountain with the Lord, if that had a glory. And, and really the, the law was something that pointed out how helpless we are if the the, the the glory, the ministry that brought death, if you will, an awareness of our need. Well, he said, well, then how much more glory is going to come from this other covenant that brought life? So he's beginning to make a comparison. And then we move on to verse nine. And he says, if the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how many of us feel condemned by the law? I know I do. And the Bible says that if we've, if we've stumbled in one point of the law, we've, we've broken the whole law. I'm cooked. I'm done. It's hopeless for me if all there is is the law. It's hopeless. And, and so he says, if the ministry that condemns men is glorious, because even that had a glory... If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Because Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross brings us righteousness. This ministry showed us that we have no righteousness. That our righteousness is as filthy rags. That we can't pull it off. And so God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to be righteousness for us, so that the book of Romans says, and now a new righteousness, apart from the law, it says, has been made known to us through His Son, Jesus. And so He says, if this ministry that condemns us had a glory, how much more glory is going to be in this ministry that brings us righteousness? You following? Say yes. Okay. He says, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. So he says, comparing one to the other, it's as though the first covenant has no glory at all because this glory is so exponentially greater. It's as though there's no glory here at all. And he goes on. And if what was fading away came with glory, meaning the law, because the glory on Moses faded away, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts because the glory of Jesus Christ does not fade? So you getting this? This is going to make sense here in a little while. Little glory. Big glory! Verse 12 then. Therefore, there we go, we've done the work. We know what it's Therefore, Good. Therefore, since we have such a hope, what hope? The hope in Christ. The hope of the righteousness of Christ. Since we have such a hope, we are very what? Bold. Bold. What kind of bold? What are we bold about? Well, let's read on. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Moses would hide, hide, his, hide the glory. He was the only one with it. So he would hide it. He would put the veil over his face. But Paul says, we're not like that. We don't hide the glory. We are here to shine. We are here meant to reflect this glory. This is, is different now. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. But their minds were made dull, There, their minds, pre-Jesus, pre-Jesus, the Israelites who were still hoping for the coming of Christ, their minds were made dull. For to this day, which is still true today, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So that if one is clinging to the law, it's the same dull legal religion that doesn't bring life. It only points out our need for Christ. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. He's comparing believers to the Israelites, to the Jews who had not accepted Christ as the fulfillment of Messiah. Verse 16, the scenery changes, but... Whenever anyone turns to the Lord. Have you turned to the Lord? Hello? Have you turned to the Lord? Okay, well let's see what happened when you turned to the Lord. You were living under the law. You were trying to get it all together. It wasn't working. You were just becoming more and more aware of how helpless you are to pull this off. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Something is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom listen to that where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom how do you know if you're coming along in Christ you're becoming free the invitation to follow Christ is not an invitation into a legalistic religion it's a life of freedom in Christ it's a life of freedom from religion it's a life of freedom from law because Jesus has fulfilled the law so that the law is somehow written on our hearts and we automatically fulfill it as we follow hard after Jesus. There's freedom. And we, now we can see what this means, who with unveiled faces, the veil's gone, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. Boom! His magnificence, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. Remember last, year, last week I, I, I introduced that word again, the sanctification? This is the process of being transformed into the ever-increasing image of God. More and more glory shining off of us. Magnificent. We're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, our magnificence is not even rooted in ourselves, but it's rooted in the activation of the image of God in us. So, that it's the magnificence of God that reflects off of us. This is this making sense to anybody? You know, I think the lights off has a purpose, but I can't see what you're thinking. <laughs> Here is my logic God is glory. I mean, God is glory. If we could somehow describe the substance of God as we could describe our substance with a variety of words, I would say let's use the word glory. This is the substance of what God is. He's glory. He is the source of glory. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that the Son, meaning Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful hand. That the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. Carefully chosen word, I'm sure, the radiance of God's glory, not the reflection of God's glory, but He's the source that radiates the glory of God because He is God. And so when Jesus comes into your life, He is not an employee of God, who reflects the glory of God. He is God who radiates the glory. Radiates the glory of God. Some of you have been fortunate to be in some of those settings of people who pray and fast and fall before God and the glory of God is revealed. It's an unforgettable thing. But the sun is the radiance, the radiance of God's glory. So God essentially at His core is glory. And the glory of God is not a reflection of something else. It's the essence of God Himself. So let's begin with that. God is glory. Second, we are created somehow in the image of God. There is something inside of us that could reflect the glory of God. Something inside of us that could reflect this glory. We can't radiate the glory of God, per se, because God... The image of God in us is not God. It doesn't make us God. It means that there is a space for the image. God is God and only God has glory. But what we have are what I like to call reflective surfaces. Reflective surfaces. That when we turn them toward God, His glory radiates. And the magnificence that looks as though it belongs to us is the magnificence of God being seen by others. Hello? Yeah, there we go. You are magnificent. Don't argue with me. You are created in the image of God. You have a mirror. The image of God is right there. Boom! Hello? You are magnificent because you each have a reflective surface that bears the image of our magnificent God. Next week I want to show you in the Bible how you can actually turn your reflective surfaces toward the glory of God. There are many, many ways we can do this. And so many of you already do. just want to clarify that and help some of you along that path of turning your best reflective surfaces to God. So that his glory, his magnificence, is seen in you. Before this series is over, I also hope to talk with you about how to polish your reflective surfaces. Did you ever look in a dirty mirror? Your image is in there, right? But I hope I don't look like that. I hope I don't look like that either but it's a clear image and i want to talk with you about how to polish them we reflect god's glory we we are reflections of the magnificence of god how many of you enjoyed in some way the supermoon a couple of weeks ago wasn't that amazing wasn't that amazing Two Saturday nights ago, Karen and I were out doing our farm thing about 8 o'clock in the evening. And that moon was just a glorious, bright orb in the sky. And it was magnificent, wasn't it? And yet we likely all know that the moon does not have a single photon of its own light but only reflects the light of the sun. Its only glory is in its capacity to reflect the light that radiates from another source. But when it does, when it fulfills that part of its created purpose, it's a magnificent thing, is it not? Well, you are magnificent. Because you have a reflective surface. Oh, I'm not magnificent. Yes, you are. Uh-huh. Because you have a reflective surface that when polished, when the veil is lifted, counter the glory of God will be reflected to those around you. This morning I want to close by taking some time to help you break the lie. The lie that says that you are hopelessly broken. That you're just a dark rock that will never radiate the glory of God. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's the lie of Satan. You're not hopelessly broken. You're just ready. Ready. If you're aware of your brokenness, it just shows that you're ready. If you're overwhelmed by your sin, it shows that you're ready. And I want to break that lie in the name of Jesus. You are not the one that God forgot. You are magnificent. Because God is magnificent and He created you in His image. I want to break the the lie that says you're just living the life that you deserve. You made this happen. You caused this mess. You made your bed. Now you are doomed to lie in it. God is bigger than that. I want to break that lie. And I also want to break this lie. You must work hard. To earn the approval of God. That's a lie. He loves you. He loves you. He made you for the purpose of loving you. As long as the devil persuades us to live under these lies, we will never, never achieve that level of magnificence that God has ordained for us. The mirror will remain covered. The reflective surface will remain mm, behind the veil. Because all of that lie is about the law and how miserably you have failed in being a righteous person. Welcome to the human race. But it says, the Bible says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that's what repentance is, turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Would you just turn in your hearts to the Lord this morning? Would you just turn from your sin? And turn from a preoccupation with your failure? From the bed that you have made in which you are lying? Would you just turn from that for a moment? Just turn from it and turn to the Lord. The Lord who says, I love you. The Lord who says that God demonstrates His own love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Lord who said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of that lie. And I say to you, Satan, shut your mouth. And I speak as one who is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms by His work, by His glory, by His righteousness, And right now I receive from Him the power to say to you, you are free in Christ. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I break the bondage that the lie has created in your life. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, and shine the light of your love onto us. Send the cockroaches running for cover. I break the lie of Satan today in the name of Jesus.